Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz right here on VOW FM 88.1. My name is Mudio Gavaz and I'll be your host until about 7 p.m. Uh, this is, uh, you know, your weekly roundup of business, finance and economics news. And we're broadcasting right here from our studios in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. Who's to say that uh, business can't be uh, exciting, exciting? Definitely make sure you hold on to your seats as we seek to unpack the world of business and keep you entertained, educated and intrigued. Now, now, it's a well-established uh, fact that uh, South Africa has uh, some of the uh, one of the most unequal income distributions in the world, uh, despite significant offered, um, efforts by the state um, to stimulate inclusive growth. The income gap has uh, actually between the rich and poor has continued to widen um, in post-apartheid South Africa. So for today, we're going to be talking about uh, taxes. We're going to be talking specifically about what it would mean to have you know wealth taxes so that's the show that we are going to be having for today now as already hinted earlier South Africa according to Oxfam and other organizations has uh, done uh, which has done similar research is one of the most unequal societies um, in uh, the world and it also seems that the middle classes bearing the brunt of uh, the country's uh, taxes whereas uh, the wealthy seem to get off quite easily and the poor continue to suffer so that's the show we're going to be having we're going to go uh, because according to dr ingrid woolard a professor of economics at stellenbosch a less explored topic is that of wealth inequality and uh, relatedly the potential use of a wealth taxation to reduce the wealth inequality while also further diversifying the the sources of much needed government revenue so for today as you heard it's going to be quite an interesting show and to navigate help us to navigate uh, this particular topic we're going to be uh, joined by uh, Basani Baloy an economist uh, from FNB who will uh, you know just uh, you know dissect uh, you know what uh, wealth tax is and then uh, how it impacts on the economy and then in the sec- second uh, segment of the show we will be joined by uh, Bafani Baloy uh, from Oxfam sorry I think uh, you know we made a little bit of a mistake there uh, who will engage us on the ethical considerations of this particular issue so you can tell us what you think remember that on social media you can find us on facebook that is of our fm that's voice of vits and our other facebook page that is the vits radio academy on twitter we're at vow fm and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz remember that you can stream the station live on vowfm.co.za and a podcast of the business buzz show are available on vow fm uh, on VAUFM and also on uh, vids.journalism.co.za forward slash business. So that's how the show is looking like. On the other side of this, we're getting into uh, the business wrap. Keep it locked. This is the business buzz. Business wrap with Ken Sweatman. It's time for us to get into the main t- to get into uh, the business wrap. That's a part of the show. Where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line, we are joined by a financial expert uh, that is Ken Swettenham. How are you, Ken? I'm very well this evening, and yourself? Huh? I'm doing all right. And how is our economy doing today? Well, it's a mixed bag, I, I guess. It's, um, it's it's our economy's got no, in my opinion, got no real direction at the moment. We, we've had a couple of very negative stories on, on the wires today. 
uh, one of them being uh, that manufacturing uh, output fell by 1.8% in August, and that was the third consecutive month that manufacturing output has, has fallen, which is not good. Basically, it means we're, we're making less in our factories. Another negative story was that, um, well, but it's one that made me smile, is that uh, the Treasury is saying ESCOM must recover um, debt which is owed to them, particularly debt owed by Soweto residents, yeah. um, if they want to get any further bailouts. And um, they're putting these conditions on ESCOM, which, which might create a problem to us in the future. But on the positive side, our markets had a very, very good day. So um, it's difficult to tell what, what, what to read into it all, I'm afraid. Huh? <laughs> Apart from ESCOM, has there, anything, has there been anything else uh, that has particularly been shaping the markets? I know that um, in uh, global markets, uh, Trump has been making a lot of noise you know, out there. Is that affecting us in any way, whether it's in the equities or uh, on the currency side? Well, as, as we've discussed before in your show, political stories often affect the markets. Brexit, uh, I just don't know what to make of Brexit. This has been hanging around for almost 12 months now, and they don't seem to be any closer to to a solution than, than, than they were 12 months ago. And, and that could have worries, as we've mentioned before, on trade between not only South Africa and the United Kingdom, but with countries all over the world. But yeah. our markets are up today, basically on the back of world markets uh, going up. And uh, the Australian market was up half a percent this morning. The French market was up uh, 1.19%. The UK market was up about a quarter of a percent. So our market had a very good day. We were up uh, just on one and a third percent on the uh, on the all share index, and uh, that's good news. Although we're still way off um, the record highs which we achieved about 18 months ago now. Huh? And then in terms of uh, other things that have been going on uh, around, I heard that there were pronouncements um, earlier this week, uh, I guess in Parliament, by the Finance Ministry around um, some of their economic plans for the country. Is this uh, weighing in any way on investor sentiment? Um, It's it's difficult to tell at this stage because Tita Mbaweni has indeed come out uh, about three weeks ago with a with a sort of blueprint on how to improve the economy, and, and our president has, in fact, uh, I won't say rubber-stamped it, but he certainly voiced his approval of that plan. But it's not a short-term solution. It's it's a, a plan that involves many aspects of the economy, going right from job creation, which has been on the agenda for, for over a decade now, yeah. and right through to many things. And it's going to take several years for that plan to be fully implemented. So the market doesn't react uh, to a plan which really has no effect on, on the economy today as we stand. Uh, as we've discussed before, economic markets work on sentiment. They work on what they think may happen, not what is actually happening. And it's always a, a very odd thing to, to, to predict. If, if Donald Trump and the Chinese are fighting over trade wars and it <laughs> looks bad, the markets will go down. Yeah. If they all settle down, the markets go up. It's it's very strange how, how these things work, which makes the stock market an extremely difficult place to predict. Well, I'm not too sure what the exact reason why our market did so well today, other than the fact that, that um, it seems to be riding on the coattails of the, of the markets around the world going up. 
So that's been it you heard right there from our financial expert, Ken Swettenham, that he's not 100% sure of uh, why and how, you know, the markets are trading the way that they are today. Uh, but some of the issues that are um, affecting, uh, you know, life at the moment is just um, some of the pronouncements that are coming in um, from uh, uh, from the U.S., especially with Donald Trump and uh, the, some of the Brexit uh, situations. And then uh, also on top of everything is just the fact that um, the ESCOM saga continues and they're talking about uh, getting back some of the money that is owed to them uh, from communities such as in Soweto. So that's been it in terms of our business wrap. On the other side of this, we tell you the state of your 100 Rand. The Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into the state of your 100 rand in our uh, Buffalo Index. But usually, you know, that's what we usually talk about, um, the 100 rand. But for today, I decided that, um, you know, we should uh, bring back Ever Wanted simply because um, we are dealing with, uh, you know, a tax issue. And uh, for today, I decided that, you know, we're going to do two particular things because I think we always hear the words taxes and we always, you know, pay them. Uh, But sometimes I don't think people actually know what they are. So if you've ever wondered what a tax is, it is a compulsory um, contribution to state revenue levied by uh, the government on workers' income and business profits or added to the cost of some goods, services and transactions. For today in particular, if you've ever wondered what a wealth tax is, it is a tax that is imposed on the wealth possessed by individuals in a country. Uh, the tax is on a person's net worth, uh, which is the assets, uh, which is their assets minus their liabilities. These assets may include but are not limited to cash, uh, bank, uh, bank deposits, shares, fixed assets, personal cars, assessed value of real property, pension plans, money funds, uh, owner-occupied housing, and trusts. Now, there are some very technical terms, but an ad uh, valerium um, tax on real estate and uh, intangible assets assets on uh, financial assets are both examples of a wealth tax. So if you've ever wondered what a wealth tax is, now you know. So that's been it for Ever Wondered. On the other side of this, we're actually getting into the meat uh, of uh, today's discussion and we're going to be having some uh, talks uh, with uh, Isaac Machego, who is an economist from uh, FNB, to talk to us about uh, what's going on there and then we're also going to be talking to uh, Dr. Basani Baloy uh, from Oxfam. So, Oxfam, South Africa. So, uh, keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. The Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. For today, we are talking about wealth taxes. Uh, remember that uh, you can uh, join in the conversation. Let us know. Do you understand wealth taxes? Have you been paying your own taxes? Um, and then you can keep in touch with us on social media. Our Facebook page is uh, Voice of Vits. That's uh, uh, FM, And then our other Facebook page is Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at FM, And then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. Now, according to Oxfam and uh, the World 
Bank reports now produced in 2018, it is estimated that the wealthiest 10% of uh, the South African uh, population actually owned more than 90% of the total wealth in the country, whilst 80% owned almost no wealth. This therefore poses a challenge uh, to economic development when the bottom 80% of the population actually owns no wealth, especially when a vibrant middle class is a key ingredient in economic progression, as evidenced in advanced economies. An important consequence of a highly unequal distribution of wealth in society is the undermining of social, political and economic uh, norms. So, for instance, high wealth uh, inequality creates an imbalance of political power between citizens and the wealthy uh, who can potentially influence the political process unfairly. This can in turn reduce uh, the optimum workings of a democracy. Now, these are some of the things that we're going to be talking about and to just start off the conversation uh, we are going to be talking uh, we are going to be talking to um, an economist that is uh, Isaac Macheco in uh, just a few minutes and then uh, we're going to be talking uh, we're going to be talking to Dr. Basani Baloy uh, from Oxfam South Africa. Now this has been uh, quite an interesting issue um, the the one about wealth tax is simply because um, there are a lot of uh, schools of thought uh, just around one. How do you actually go about you know levying uh, levying these and uh, what instruments do you use? What uh, what mechanisms? Uh, we heard just before the break that there are valerium taxes uh, to properties, for example. There are estate taxes um, that people have uh, you know come up with that are used and also transfer taxes uh, that are sometimes uh, you know given out there um, when it comes to um, when it comes to actually transferring wealth and another popular one is capital gains I'm just talking about the ones that are in existence at the moment uh, capital gains tax if for example you own let's say a million shares in Facebook and you decide that uh, the share price has gone up and then you sell your shares if um, the price of your share shares is um, above what it was you know when you bought the shares you are charged a tax on whatever uh, whatever the difference is and that is called a capital gains tax um, so that's uh, you know some of the mechanisms that are being used and I know that some of the arguments that have been leveled against um, some of these wealth taxes is simply that uh, you have wealthy people saying that they are contributing to the economy uh, they have businesses they employing people you know why should they be um going out there and actually um and actually being taxed even more um on what is there so on the line we are joined by uh, isaac macheco who is an economist with fnb uh, to discuss some of these issues isaac how are you Good evening, sir. I'm an economist at NetBank, not FNB. <laughs> I am so sorry for that. Uh, we're with Isaac Macheco, who is an economist with the NetBank. Um, I think just to begin, um, my apologies again. I think just to begin the conversation. Not a problem, not a problem. I think just to begin the conversation, could you just let our listeners know about uh, what uh, wealth tax is and, uh, you know, how does it actually work? Sure. I mean, wealth taxes are often a way uh, for governments 
to raise one's off revenue, uh, one's off in the sense that, you know, government could pass uh, special legislation uh, and say at a particular uh, point in time, we will value assets of uh, taxpayers or actually look at the recorded assets of taxpayers and levy a tax based on the value. So it is basically a way of, uh, you know, taking money from those who own assets and uh, contributing that to the national kitty. Now, I think uh, earlier on in the show, we we just detailed some of the research that's come out of the World Bank and Oxfam. And I think the consensus is that South Africa has one of the most unequal societies in the world. Do you think that levying, you know, wealth taxes is going to be something that will right size the situation or help to close that uh, income inequality gap? You know, I... I I have a problem with wealth taxes uh, from um, two angles. Number one is that uh, they are often once off or there's often a very long um, lapse uh, before it gets reimposed or relevied again. And number two, uh, we got to define, uh, you know, what is a an asset rather that uh, sort of uh, raises uh, the wealth of an individual, in this, in this case, a taxpayer. Are we talking about income generating assets? Because uh, some people out there are sitting on idle assets which are not generating any income. And how will those be dealt with uh, once, once determining what the uh, appropriate level of the wealth tax will be and which assets will be taxed? Yeah. And the other one? What was your second question? I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was saying in that second one, could you could you expand? Oh, I expand as in like how uh, it gets determined which assets will be taxed. Yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's often a, a point of vigorous debate. Because uh, remember, uh, the rich uh, have can afford uh, to sort of uh, create very sophisticated schemes, trusts, and all that, <laughs> and hide the direct ownership or beneficial ownership of assets in that way. Yeah. So uh, at the end of the day, you know, it becomes quite difficult uh, for a taxing authority to really uh, get a fair record of uh, taxable assets. Yeah. Because these people will hide those assets, and even though you know uh, some revenue can be raised, it will probably not be ideal in the sense that you know very low proportions are raised relative uh, to what could be raised if all assets are waived to open. Yeah. Hello. Yes, I can hear you, sir. Okay, okay. Um, I want to go back to the first point that you raised, and you were just talking about the time period and the span that lapses. If I'm understanding you correctly, are we talking about certain types of taxes, like let's say you buy stock in a company today and... You know, after 10 years, you sell those shares and um, that once-off capital gains tax only happens after 10 years. There isn't um, some type of recurring um, 
recurring mechanism for levying um, taxes against people that are, you know, beyond a certain income threshold? Absolutely. I'll chat uh, later about, you know, the utilization of the raised revenue. But I'll say to you when it comes to these assets, I mean, just let's take uh, the capital gains tax in South Africa and uh, let's talk about property. It is uh, levied only on second or subsequent properties, i.e. your primary residence is exempt from capital gains. So what people do is that when they realize that, uh, you know, the property I own in a particular area has appreciated significantly in value, uh, they just move from, you know, what's <laughs> been their primary residence into that other property, which still, by the way, belongs to them, register that property as their primary residence, sell it, in that way, avoid paying uh, the capital gains tax, mm. then move to the older property. So there are so many like tricks <laughs> that people sort of employ to yeah. avoid these taxes. Uh, but the point I really want to make is, uh, you know, once government has raised uh, this extra revenue, what will it be utilized for? Yeah. In South Africa, with our very wide gap of uh, income, um, equality or rather of a very large income inequality, I will say that, you know, once we raise a wealth tax, what are we going to use it for? Are we going to direct it towards education and training uh, for uh, maybe kids of people with low incomes at all? And even after that, uh, you know, that could sort of uh, lift uh, those uh, people a bit, uh, give their kids a bit of a better future, but then we still face the challenge of making sure that uh, those people do not fall back into the poverty trap. Mm. Basically, after we train them, we need to keep them employed. So if we are going to raise um, the ones of wealth tax, you know, whatever ones off means, uh, what are going to be the benefits of raising that tax? In short, what I'd like to see is, if ever, which by the way I don't necessarily agree with, mm. if ever we impose a wealth tax, we have to ensure that uh, we will utilize that windfall efficiently and effectively. Right? Yeah. Uh, not all of it should go to current spending, yeah. so it's just going into education. Yeah. Some of them should go towards an investment, investment in the sense of maybe a state-owned entity or even the state investing that money in a project or yeah. project that will create jobs for the beneficiaries of that windfall. Yeah. Um, because its sustainability is very important. Sorry about that. No, something I... I, I I like what you're saying, and one of the things I, I was I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on then is, um, I think in the U.S. election right now, one of the big issues that has come up, especially you know with candidates like I think uh, Elizabeth Warren has been championing a two percent tax on. Um, Every individual in America who makes over 50 million, you who has a net worth of over 50 million US dollars, that if you have above that, uh, then uh, each dollar above that you should be giving two two percent every year or something like that do you think such a plan you know a similar type of plan would work in the south african context 
You know, that, that's not a once-off tax. Yeah, it's it's something like, recurring. It's, yes. writing, it, it's just basically reversing what Trump did when he took over power. Remember, uh, Trump uh, cut taxes uh, for the super... Well, he cut taxes across the board and also for the corporate sector. But the super wealthy benefited more than um, the people at the lower end of the income scale. Uh, so, I mean, raising taxes for uh, the wealthy people in South Africa, uh, you know, could maybe help to contribute to uh, the fiscals. But uh, in South Africa, we've got a very small number, at least relative to the size of the population. We have a very small number of those people who can contribute to that. And even now, I'll say to you, those people already carry uh, most of the burden of tax contributions in South Africa. Remember, in the U.S., you have a massive population uh, which is economically economically active, their unemployment rate is only 3.5%. So you have a very broad tax base. Mm. Our tax base in South Africa is very narrow. And uh, I can take you back, I mean, going back to 2016, 2017, we've seen taxes are going up in South Africa. Right now, uh, people with a taxable income of uh, 1.5 million rand a year or more mm. uh, pay... Uh, a tax rate of 45%, which is quite high by, for instance, uh, developing economy standards. So what we really need to do is, uh, of course, we need to encourage these people uh, to keep their money in South Africa and those who are not in South Africa to bring their money here. Uh, But once we start imposing higher taxes on them, these people will definitely move uh, their wealth around and, um, you know, move uh, their money to tax havens where, uh, number one, they can hide their assets quite easily, and number two, (laughs) pay lower taxes. Yeah. And then lastly, I wanted to also just get your thoughts on the notion that uh, instituting wealth taxes um, because... You know, just coming back to your example about um, what the Democrats are trying to do in the U.S. is to perhaps reverse some of the effects of uh, the Trump tax breaks that were given at the start of his term. In the South African context, if you were to institute wealth taxes, do you think that's tantamount to, uh, you know, this idea of simply taking from the rich and giving to the poor? Well, uh, you know, I, I think South Africa, uh, the, the big debate now uh, is, uh, you know, who are you going to target? You know, the noble rich, the newly uh, rich people who gained from uh, the post-94 dispensation more than uh, the others. And I'm, I mean, I'm speaking here about the previously uh, disadvantaged people. Are you going to take them? Uh, are you going to exempt them and maybe target uh, certain racial uh, groups uh, who benefited more than uh, the previously disadvantaged? You know, that's the big question in South Africa right now. And number two, you know, of course, uh, you know, a once-off uh, wealth tax is, uh, we can put it that way, let's be honest. Yeah. It's taken from the rich and uh, hopefully giving to the poor, no, uh, not having uh, maybe some of the money uh, disappearing through the cracks, uh, either be through state capture or any other <laughs> malfeasance. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 
if we are going to impose higher taxes in South Africa, we've got to really think about it because our taxes are already high. And I'm talking here about individual tax rates. Mm. Um, our, our tax rates are already high, particularly for the high income earners. They're already high relative to the other developing economies. Mm. And uh, we, we need to encourage and, and uh, or rather create an environment yeah. uh, which is going to encourage these people to spend their money yeah. in South Africa and invest it here, yeah. uh, not take it out of the country. Because, you know, if we do that, we'll be eroding a, a tax base that we already have right now. Mm. So that's been us with uh, Isaac Macheco, who is an economist with Nedbank, letting us know um, that uh, a lot of thought needs to be put um, into any type of wealth taxes um, if legislators or regulators are to bring in that. He's saying the biggest danger is that uh, South Africa already has um, some of uh, some of the highest um, in- individual income rates um, for high-earning individuals relative to other developing economies and he's saying that more needs to be done to actually make sure that uh, these individuals spend their money in South Africa so that it helps uh, with the circular flow of income in the country as opposed to sending it out. So that's been us on the other side of this. We're going to continue our conversation. We have uh, Dr. Basani Baloy uh, who is from Oxfam South Africa who is going to you know be getting into uh, some of the ethical considerations perhaps um, just around uh, Wealth Texas. So keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. More justice on the Business Buzz. We are talking about taxes, specifically wealth taxes. We just came from uh, talking to Isaac Macheco, who is an economist at Nedbank, and he was just um, explaining to us uh, what um, the imposition of wealth taxes would mean um, for our economy. Uh, but for now, we want to get um, into the next part of the discussion. We're joined in studio uh, by Dr. Basani Baloy, who is uh, from Oxfam, South Africa, and uh, she is a fellow on research and and a policy. How are you? I'm well, and you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, before we, you know, get into the meat of the discussion, what's your position on uh, this matter of the wealth taxes? Well, um, you know, Valpa. No. It's a the. They call it. A, it's a water company. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, yes. Well, it's yes, actually yes. produced by Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw a meme once, uh, and it says Valpa is not a uh, uh, water, um, you know, product. Yeah. It's, it's rather a plastic company, right? Um, so basically, people have captured water resources <laughs> in order to make money yeah. from it. Yeah. So, and and basically, when we think about wealth taxes, we we need to think about that. Mm. You know, in terms of what is it that has been captured mm. um, naturally, mm. or even man-made, mm. uh, or human-made. Uh, to make money, mm. right? Um, so in that sense, I do think there are ethical questions to be asked about a wealth tax. I do think it's it's uh, something that should be implemented yeah. um, uh, for historical reasons, for current political reasons. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, as you said in, in your opening address, that um, not creating... Uh, uh, greater equity what that actually means in terms of who is able to then um, you know influence the policy process 
that allows them to make more money. Yeah. Um, and so it does. Uh, so I mean, there are people who talk about the fact that because the economy has, we haven't, the, or society hasn't uh, changed the structure of the economy. Yeah. Actually, that opens up the pathways to corporate capture. Mm. Uh, and so this is something that uh, is very crucial to the development of our economy and society. Yeah. Now, on that, uh, what do you think are some of the ethical considerations? Um, it's something that you brought up just now. Um, w- What's your thinking and how do you think perhaps now policy makers should be, you know, considering some of these issues? Um, For example, we heard Isaac in the previous interview just talking about the fact um, that high earning individuals are already paying 45% of taxes. And in his view, it would be very hard to expect, you know, uh, those individuals to be expected to be expected to pay an even higher amount. So you know, are those part of the considerations? You know, where are we? You know, on that. Well, what you just outlined is forty-five percent of income. Yeah. That's different from wealth. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I think there's a conflation between terms mm. here. Mm. So um, if we are to, for instance, look at uh, the top ten percent of the economy, yes. In terms of income terms, we know that they earn sixty-three percent of the national income. Okay. But then that same top ten percent earn ninety percent of the wealth. Right. Okay, okay, so we yeah, are yeah. we are conflating yes, terms. So you want us to separate? We need two. to separate okay, these cool, two, yeah. right? Because I mean, there was an introduction about what we actually mean by wealth, mm. and those are the assets, right? Yep. And so what we know. Um, so uh, your question around. Um, so sorry, can, if you can ask your question again around. Yeah, no, I, I was just asking what do you, what are some of the ethical considerations just around creating um, these, uh, I guess, or writing uh, some of the balances, some of the balances in the society, mm. because I think that's what one of the things that tax mm. seeks to do is to sort of um, redistribute in some right. way well, the resources of the country. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, the thing is, is that we, you spoke about how we have a very, um, like about our middle class, right? So one thing that um, uh, there's a professor called Gabriel Palmer who was looking at basically the middle classes across the world and uh, looking at how they've performed, right? And what he came, well, he was actually looking at inequality, but through that Mm. lens. And what he's found is that the middle income bracket, right, in many other countries um, has been able to maintain its share of the wealth okay, okay, over okay. time. Yeah. Okay. So if you ha- if you earn 10% of the wealth as a middle income earner in 1990, you've been able to, to, to maintain that yeah. now. Um, and the top 1% he was looking at ha- have been able to increase their share, not by taking from the middle classes, but yeah. by taking from those at the bottom. Yeah. Now, South Africa is an anomaly, right, in all of this. Okay. Because, um, in fact, the middle class's income share has shrunk. Okay. We have 
one of the most um, vulnerable middle classes right. in the world, yeah. right? And so this is very crucial uh, when you think about the fact that who that constitutes, right? The expansion is of not people who inherited wealth, mm. but those who had to establish it. Yes. And there's a vast difference between the two. Yeah. And if you don't have uh, a change in your property rights, mm. right, that, uh, that ensure that people can actually move up um, the income bracket, mm. then that is the outcome of that process. Yes. And that is actually what he concludes is the fact that, you know, we haven't actually done much to change the property rights, wealth, Right? Yeah. Who owns it in a way that is equitable? Because it's not about just a Petrus Mitsipe or, you know, whoever, you know. It's not just about taking uh, uh, an elite class of black people and pushing them up, which is what has happened. Yeah. But it's actually about getting to the masses in terms of that re redistribution. And yes, wealth taxes are one, are a very crucial mechanism. But I was quite interested in what. Um, Isaac, I think, was saying from Netbank, <laughs> <laughs> who said um, something to the effect of the fact that um, uh, how people can basically speculate by using their houses as yes. a way of undermining yes. yeah. the tax system. Mm -hmm. Well, if we had a law that says that you cannot actually earn or have uh, three houses, because it's quite obvious that if you have three or more houses or two or more houses or four or more houses, then you are going to have kind of like a speculative way, right, of transacting. Mm. In which, and, and in fact, that is exactly how much of the wealth has been created. I wanted to take you back to uh, your, um, uh, uh, your opener, yeah. the person who was, I mean, I think you were, I think it's Ken, mm. who spoke about his, um, I guess his shock and surprise that, you know, we are basically in an era of like jobless growth. Well, not even growth. <laughs> no jobs, no growth. <laughs> Manufacturing has gone up yeah. uh, down, but the stock market has gone up. Mm. And that is where, when we talk about wealth inequality, mm. that is where it's at, okay. right? So how is it that the stock market can be going up, yet the fundamentals of the economy yeah, are not are stagnant, are stagnant yeah. and they are not a reflection of what's going on mm. right and that is how these guys accumulate their wealth they accumulate from misery mm. right they can uh uh sh shift their um their assets here and there as mm. a way of accumulating wealth mm. so i do believe in a wealth tax um, however, I also think that there is something that needs to be done around property rights mm. uh, that would make it even more effective. And I think that's actually crucial. How big of an issue is this? Because you, you've, you've, you've definitely emphasized this. Mm. And what are some of the mechanisms that you think could be used? Um, are we talking about what you said just now that perhaps limited the number of homes per se that a person has are we saying that um for each for each additional home that a person gets for example that there must be um some type of uh you know attacks on that mm -hmm. are we saying that if uh i transfer property from myself to my son for example that my son should be made to pay an amount or i should be made to pay an amount on that transference so, you know i mean I do think we need to be careful, right, mm. in, in so far as how, because um, 
we do have this fragile uh, middle class that in fact um, is has established itself through debt and and that's yeah, that's a crucial thing yeah. right so household debt we also have uh, one of the most highly you know indebted um, countries in the world mm. so that is um, very crucial to to think about how to structure it so definitely thresholds right okay. what uh, like at what point um, would we consider based on your wealth level yeah right so your net wealth mm. is this amount therefore how do we structure uh, the you know the uh, the uh, mechanism such that it it targets you yeah. right so if uh, I imagine that uh, a, 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 a billionaire has several houses several properties <laughs> uh, so we need to think through that and they tend to be mansions and that tends to take up land and it tends to mean that um, some mansions are sitting quite I don't know idle idle <laughs> and which is a huge problem that we actually have yeah. right in 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 parts of Johannesburg mm. is the idleness of of certain of properties and mm. also in parts of Cape Town because we know that there are uh, foreign nationals uh, which is fine from like Europe and Germany that basically use the space as a holiday home mm. and so um and earn a lot of property so how do we manage All that, that yeah. you know uh, how do we tax them mm. um uh so that you know it's not just passive income um and it's some it's income that can be put uh, or, uh, or earnings that could be put to use mm. so that those who are at the bottom can uh you know get out of that mm. uh shackle without i know i know you don't want to delve too much on the you know on the mechanisms mm-hmm. and the house mm-hmm. but i also want to pose but i want to pose the the question that i had posed to isaac to mm-hmm. you earlier on um just around maybe not even the ethics but what it might mean for south africa what uh, elizabeth warren is talking about in america mm-hmm. you know simply if you have above this amount, 50 million, she's she's defined she's, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said if you're above 50 million US dollars, mm-hmm. each year we need you to give 2% of your wealth, you know, to the state coffers mm-hmm. so that we, you know, we redistribute. Is that too simplistic? I do. <laughs> I do. You know what? That's a very good question. I do think that... Um, it it is it's it's not a it's it's not a silver bullet mm. obviously it's 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 an instrument that should be seen amongst many others that are very crucial mm. so for instance um we can't talk about um a wealth tax outside of actually looking at um macro policy yeah which i consider to is is not geared towards employment creation but rather geared towards greater financial speculation mm. okay through inflation targeting yeah. this is how people earn uh you know the stock goes up because you know there there are interest rates yeah. um uh that benefit those who who have assets yeah. right so for me it becomes crucial to say we need to obviously expand the tax break uh, the tax base yeah Right, and so we need a macroeconomic framework that actually creates 
more jobs, yeah. right? And we need an industrial policy that works and yeah. it cannot work outside of a macroeconomic framework that actually supports it, mm. right? So that we don't just rely on those who are at the top 1%, although we don't actually want that kind <laughs> of a thing, but we want to also expand that middle income mm. bracket mm. and so that it is it becomes sustainable because what that means is that we don't have the shrinking middle class mm. that is extremely vulnerable yeah. um uh i mean i'm i'm you know and obviously the the the, the bottom uh 40% are are completely obliterated yeah. by this whole system so um definitely and and also social policy you know we need to get the things that we pay for to work Yes. Right, we need our Service education delivery. system to work. <laughs> <laughs> we need a health system for me, which is not in private hands mm. as it is today. Um, so there are a lot of connecting factors. So it's really not a, a silver bullet of like saying, okay, uh, you know, this will equal that. It requires a lot of other complementary policies, but also uh, a willingness to actually implement mm. them. In closing, I'd like to, you know, perhaps get you to answer two questions mm-hmm. in one. Firstly, where in the world have, you know, perhaps wealth, tag- wealth targeted taxes worked? You know, are there societies where um, wealth-specific taxes have worked? And then secondly, um, just talking about a point which you raised just now about expanding that middle class, do you feel like the debate around increasing... um, uh, the debate around instituting wealth taxes is being used as a way to scapegoat the actual need to increase the tax base? that instead of people doing the hard work of uh, in increasing that tax base, which I think at the moment is about 7 million people in a country of 58, mm. uh, you know, people would rather make uh, populist noise around a wealth tax instead of, you know, doing the actual work that helps to expand that middle class. Well, I, I mean, I think that that in itself is a scapegoat. Mm. <laughs> that that um, saying that it's a scapegoat is also a scapegoat mm. because we are scapegoating w- the reality of the fact that much of this wealth that was accumulated was not c- accumulated by just means, yeah. and people have continued to benefit from it yeah. um, by just being born of a. Be- particular race or or have just been born of a particular uh, gender or sexual yeah uh, like sex rather than um, uh, yeah a, a particular sex so we need to consider that right so I would not say that it is a scapegoat I think it is it's crucial right mm-hmm. because you cannot expand that um, the, the the you cannot expand the that middle income bracket or, or ensuring that those at the bottom rise uh, above mm. uh, without tackling that the top you cannot okay. it's impossible mm. right it has to be uh, because then it becomes a poverty instrument um, a, a poverty reduction instrument yeah. if you do that mm. right and we are targeting inequality and so inequality means the reduction uh, between uh, or the ga- the reducing of Close the gap, the, yeah. okay. yeah, right? So I think that's cri- critical. And as for other the what you your earlier question, uh, some Nordic countries have um, uh, have been quite successful in this. Okay, actually, yeah, 
Because I've heard the Swedens of mm-hmm. this world have, you know, some of the more equal societies in exactly. the world. Okay. Now, that makes perfect sense. So, we've come to the end of the show. We're just going to take a quick break and then we'll come to the end of the show. This is The Business Buzz. More justice on The Business Buzz. We've come to the end of today's Business Buzz show. Thank you so much to everyone who listened to the show. Thank you so much to our amazing guests. Our first guest that was Isaac Macheco, who is an economist from Nedbank, as well as our in-studio guest, that is Dr. Basani Baloy from Oxfam, South Africa, just giving us you know, some of her thoughts. My takeaway from what she said is the fact that everything is interlinked and interconnected. I like the fact that she you know highlights the fact that you can't be looking at these issues in isolation for you to bring people um, up from the bottom you also need to be attacking people um, from the top so that you close that uh, inequality gap and also I like the fact that uh, she is also just talking about the fact that you know everything has to be done in conjunction you can't be looking at one thing only uh, like uh, expanding you know the the middle class without also you know talking about wealth taxes so it's been a very interesting show. Uh, let us know what you think on social media. Uh, you can uh, find our Facebook page, that is VowFM Voice of Vits. And then you can also find our other Facebook page, that is the Vits Radio Academy. And then uh, our on Twitter, our you know handle is at VowFM. And then you can find our hashtag, that is hashtag Business Buzz. You can uh, find podcasts of the Business Buzz show on vits.journalism.co.za. So with that, we've come to the end of tonight's show. Thank you so much to our amazing team. Our technical producer is Akutluano Serame together with our executive producers that is Simba Honde and Glory Mabuza together with our producer that is Tando Klimba. So don't miss the business but same time, same place next week for more insight into the world of business. Next up on the VARFM lineup we have Living Electro. Remember that the Business Bus show is sponsored by ABSA. So for myself, Mdio Mob, Justice Gawaza and the rest of the team is good evening and Take care. The, the Business Buzz. The Business Buzz Podcast.